Welcome to the Nonprofit Voice Tech Series, a special edition of the Nonprofit Voice Podcast, hosted by Mark Becker, founding partner of Cathex's Partners and editorial advisory board member of Nonprofit Pro. In each episode of this monthly installment, Mark will have conversations with prominent nonprofit organizations and industry thought leaders to learn more about different technology offerings in the marketplace. Join us and together we will learn more about these innovative digital tools and how to navigate the rapidly evolving technology landscape. Hi everybody, welcome back. Mark Becker here, the founding partner of Cathexis Partners, uh, back for another edition of Nonprofit Voices um, and talking technology. Today we have Kimberly and Crystal with us. Uh, Kimberly, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself first? Sure. Um, So I am the Chief Fundraising and Engagement Officer for Bonterra. And Bonterra is a newly formed social good company. We are a leader in social good technology. um, And our focus is to amplify the work of those who help our world by bringing together the people, technology, ideas, and insights um, needed to really drive innovation. And so as this newly formed company, we're bringing together cyber grants, every action, network for good, social solutions, and their respective entities to really create this new landscape defining software um, platform that's focused on disrupting the social good industry. That's Bonterra. Um, and uh, and then in terms of my background, I've been in the nonprofit sector for over 25 years now, worn lots of different hats as an executive director of a small nonprofit, working at the third largest charity at the in the US, um, working and consulting with nonprofits. Um, of all sizes and shapes and also working on the tech side. Um, So I have this background that really um, kind of follows tech, uh, fundraising and nonprofit leadership. Um, I'm a certified executive coach and um, have taught at Georgetown and George Mason universities um, uh, where uh, on nonprofit leadership. So so varied background, but really passionate about helping um, nonprofits of all sizes and shapes really scale the work that they're doing and drive a deeper impact in their mission. I like it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, yeah, I know you all have a lot going over on over there at Bonterra. So well done. And Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, love all the experience that you have in the varying roles that your organization. Um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and your background. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. My name is Crystal Chanette, and I'm the Director of Data Services at SUM, which is also affectionately known as So Others Might Eat. However, our official name is SUM, and SUM is a nonprofit organization that has been around since 1970, and we are a care provider and a beacon of hope to District of Columbia residents, including individuals, families, senior citizens, veterans, and those affected by physical or mental health challenges. We work every single day to meet those that come to us and need to meet their immediate and long-term needs through our comprehensive approach to health and wellness, which we like to say is a whole person care. We nurture the complete human experience. We help our clients create happier and healthier futures for themselves and for their families. 
And organizations like us are truly needed in DC because uh, DC has one of the highest poverty rates in the country. And so we are grateful for the donors that we have to be able to address those needs and provide a whole person care. And additionally, to have um, Every Action and Bonterra on our side that offer this whole tech approach because the two really, really help us raise money um, and be good stewards and impact the lives of those that are coming to utilize our services. You know, it's just a testament, I think, to the fact that um, you're using the technology in ways that that really make your fundraising more robust, right? And your engagement more robust. I have, I heard a stat yesterday um, where there are a number of organizations who are truly only using, say, 25 or 30 percent of the um, fundraising software that they have, their CRM platforms. And I find that fascinating. You know, Mark, I'm sure, you know, with your clients as well. Um we, you may have the tools, but the question is, is, are you using it to the fullest potential? And is that holding you back from really maximizing the engagement and the fundraising that you could be doing today um, at no additional cost, right? It's just understanding some of those key features that could really either optimize or transform your engagement efforts. And I know that Crystal and some have really put a lot of um, time and in, in, attention and intention into better understanding how to use their every action software to really maximize um, giving. Yeah, I think that's really key. Um, Sorry, Crystal. But uh, yeah, I think that's really key is just making sure that, you know, you have these platforms, these these um, services that you, um, you know, pay a, a fair amount for, right? Or, you know, even if it's the best deal in the world, uh, so many organizations we find are underutilizing them and uh, inertia or just this is how we've always done it. Um, oh, you know, not even thinking about, oh, wait, what's this button do sometimes, you know, <laughs> right? Um, can really make a difference. Um, Sorry, Crystal, you were going to say? I was going to say that we were used to be part of that stat. Um, and it's really because everyone as a fundraiser is always pushed to your maximum. You're always looking for that next big gift. You're always wanting to make sure that your supporters feel supported and engaged. And it's like, where do you find time in to watch a help doc to figure out what that button there that um, does? And so part of the reason why my role was created was to be the person who got to intentionally take that time to figure out how to best use the tools that we're using um, because our fundraisers are always engaging and being um, great stewards and wanting to make more relationships and didn't have the time to sit and really play and break things as I like to say within every action. And so I get to play and repair and figure out and strategize with our fundraisers about the tools that e every action offers to really make sure that we are utilizing them and not just using the 20% of targeted email and acknowledgement letters. Um, and I think that speaks to the tool that every action is and offering all of these different multi-channels to engage and to track. Um, the work that we're doing. And so it makes it really easy to figure out time to actually utilize all of that. Nice. Yeah. Tell us um, an example or two of how you're using automation to kind of streamline things, you know, repetitive processes, 
um, making, you know, saving time for people to do other things. So um, every gift that some receives is super duper important to the work that we're able to do. And oftentimes you're not able to give that customized, gentle, like in-person touch or phone call to a new donor. Automations have been a huge um, help with us being able to actually curate a customized experience for new donors at any giving level. And so we're able to use the automations um, and like set up different tracks for people to learn more about the organization. Most of our supporters are introduced to us through food insecurity programs. However, some is a much bigger organization than that. So in addition to just welcoming, welcoming them to some, it's an opportunity for us to maybe put them on different tracks with being connected to our volunteer services program, finding out about our special events, uh, learning more about the programming that uh, some is offering and how we're impacting the community. And we get to kind of set them up and kind of let them happen. And so then when it is time for a phone call to happen, the automation process has occurred. And then we receive the follow-up that lets us know, hey, it's time to give Mark a call and just like rethink him for his gift and just check in to see how things are going. Um, and so instead of having to set up several Outlook uh, calendar reminders to email this donor or do this, Automations have really streamlined that process and it allows it to happen and still offer a customized curated experience for our supporters without us having to do every single step. That's that's great. Yeah, it's just using the system to make people feel like you're talking to them, right? Not to everybody, you know, not or not to anybody, but to them specifically. I like that. Kimberly, anything to add? Um, well, as I was listening to Crystal and how they're using it, I guess just to dive into that a little bit more, who makes those follow-up thank you calls? Are they volunteers, board members, staff members? It varies. Uh, we'd like everyone to be involved. Our CEO is sometimes making those calls um, because we just really want people to feel supported. It usually is a staff member or um, an intern that is within the organization. We like to be careful with sharing some information with people. So we usually try to keep those phone calls within the staff base. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, you mentioned email and and uh, calling folks. Uh, what other channels are you, how else are you reaching out? Social media, text to give, uh, SMS, anything like that? So we definitely are using uh, social media and uh, market source codes, which is a feature within every action has been a really great way for us to be able to like seamlessly track where we're engaging with people so that again, we can also figure out that Mark really likes our post on LinkedIn and is a, like a great supporter on LinkedIn, whereas Kimberly is really interested in the things that we're tweeting about and like seeing that so we know what kind of content is resonating with those supporters so we can make sure we're intentional about putting that information there. Um, we are about to start rolling out our text messaging messages and we are super excited about that. Um, because like right now, when it's really cold or hot, we're able to send out an email uh, to our supporters, just asking them for material aid sometimes. And now we'll have the text messaging capabilities to be able to reach them really quickly and send timely messages like 
because maybe they're actually experiencing how cold it is and like it will resonate more with them when we say, remember your neighbors who are not able to find shelter um, and would you be able to support in this capacity? So we're really, really excited about that. And every action has made it really easy for us to start gathering that data so that when we're ready to launch, we have this robust list of people that we can reach out to, but then also given the vast majority of channels that every action offers, we can also then customize that. Kimberly really responds to text where Mark has let us know that texts aren't the best way to reach him. So we still have targeted email to reach out to you through or even the direct response plan um, because we do have a lot of supporters that still respond to direct mail. Um, so that's, it's great because we are able to use all of those channels and really meet people where they are. If I could jump in on that, meeting people Please. where they are is critical in today's world where, you know, we're digesting information from multiple platforms, you know, throughout the day. And so I talk with organizations who, who say, I'm nervous about using text. Um, and, uh, you know, what I would say to them is that is where your donors and supporters are today. They're looking at their text messages before they're looking at their email. They're responding to them much more swiftly. Um, you have, uh, you know, companies who are communicating to you via email um, and your um, interested supporters are going to be open to wanting to hear from you. Not every day, right? But whenever there is a need. So Crystal, on your side, whenever there is a need um, for your mission, um, other organizations might go, well, I'm not a direct services agency, so I don't really know what I would say in a text. And that's when you celebrate milestones hit, uh, you bring awareness for your issue, um, you can celebrate you know, a certain group of individuals, um, or you highlight a company who is, who's uh, sponsored or something, you do some big things, you, you really are intentional and thoughtful about um, your cadence for texting, but it is something that individuals would absolutely be open to. So, so please don't have that mindset, you know, to all of our listeners that your audience wouldn't want it. Your audience wants to be met wherever they are today, and we got to get there. And that could be through social media. It could be through email. It could be through direct mail. Crystal, you said some people, they, they want to be, you know, they want their appeals to come in direct mail. Um, that's great. And we have to take this multi-channel, omni-channel approach to meet them there. You have software that allows you to do that. Or if you don't, you know, look at something like um, every action or other tools so that it's easier for you to be able to communicate through these platforms in a way that has a really solid cadence and just um, you're able to sort of create messaging um, across multiple platforms, but still segment and make it feel personal to your supporters. Yep. Ask people how they want to be communicated with, right? And um, don't ask them unless you're actually going to take action on that and meet them where they, they want to be. But yeah, like you said, these platforms do make it a lot easier than it used to be to, you know, you don't have to worry about creating 20 different messages you're, you're creating they are different messages but they're all variations of the same theme right so it's it's right at once in this kind of reformat it for the different ways it goes out and just to add on if your um leadership 
is hesitant for you to use some of these tools, then one of the ways in which you can get um, adoption and acceptance is by surveying your base, not just your board members or those people who are most close to your organization, but actually just do a general survey um, to your audience and see, ask them. You know, what communication channels do you, um, you know, look at on a regular basis and begin to collect some data, hard data that you can use so that you can then go make that business case um, to your leadership to say, you know what, I think we should move into text, or I think that we should do video um, acknowledgements or video communications, uh, but don't let a no hold you back because what you might've done a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, um, that didn't work could work today. And, you know, as long as you're building a, a data-driven business case, then there's a lot of opportunity in front of you. Yeah. And Crystal, I'm sure in your role, you're using data a lot, right? Um, it's all about, you know, analysis um, and, you know, predictive analytics, uh, digging into the data to figure out how, when, uh, to communicate with folks, what you should be asking. Give us some ideas on, on, on how you're using data to inform that communication. So uh, we use data in a lot, a lot of different ways. Um, and it is, like you said, very important in just driving some business decisions. Historically, some fundraisers used to use their gut feeling and you know that was how business operated and now we can do some extra magic by including that gut feeling but having the numbers to back it up to actually um, say that that gut feeling is correct so we use donor trends to help us with um, understanding the people that are currently supporting every action. I think that's the most important part when thinking about their donor trends tool is because it's looking at the data of people who are already supporting and giving you a snapshot of what they're likely to do, like what they're interested in and making some decisions based on what's actually happening and not so much their potential for doing things. Um, and so that is one of the reasons why we really, really decided to start using the donor trends tool because it helps give us some summaries without having to use tons and tons of Excel sheets to figure things out mm. on um, what our donors are doing. Uh, additionally, the predictive um, analytics with like a great ask, a, an ask in our targeted email has been really, really helpful with, again, meeting people where they are and like offering this customized experience um, when you're on our donation page. So um, having that information has been really, really helpful. Um, the reporting system in every action has been really helpful and just being able to get a big picture idea and then narrowing it down as we need to with decision-making. Uh, we have a capital campaign that's in the works and um, this has been really helpful in just understanding, again, what people are responding to with regards to our channels that we offer, their giving capacities, and where we want to go forward with them. That's great. That's a lot of really valuable information. Well done. Kimberly, anything you're seeing out there as a, in the industry as a whole? Yeah, well, let's talk about what's happening in the world right now, right? <laughs> um, with... Uh, with talk of a recession and whether or not we're in one right now, rising inflation um, and our move into this giving season and then 2023, um, 
I've been hearing a lot of hesitation and fear from organizations and fundraisers about the future and, um, you know, what will happen. Let's level set on what has happened in the past and use a little bit of data to help remind us that um, we typically weather recessions quite well, the, the sector and and primarily those who invest in technology and invest in fundraising. So what happens when, is when the market start, starts to soften, organizations dig in and they start to engage and communicate their base in a routine and very you know thoughtful manner. Um, and they, you know, they keep the pedal on the gas fundraising and those organizations that do that typically thrive through those downturns. Um, and we know that people are very, very generous. We saw that during, you know, the start of COVID and beyond. And, um, and so, you know, the other thing to remember is that there are very generous people and very generous people want to give to your organization and other organizations. They're going to give to whom they can give to. So I want to remind everyone not to make assumptions about your donors or your potential donors, right? And just get out there and communicate and communicate and communicate. If you are hesitant about technology or purchasing new technology because of the economic downturn, I would also, you know, challenge you with that to say, if not now, when, and how will pausing help you in the long run truly meet your need where it's at and scale your efforts? If you have concerns, if your board has concerns, then consider, you know, asking your board or um, a major donor uh, or really appealing to leadership to create an innovation fund. And an innovation fund might allow you to test and learn new technologies, new ideas, step outside the box um, with some of your thinking in a way that's more safe. A lot of organizations get nervous about investing in new technology or trying new fundraising initiatives because they're afraid of misusing donor dollars. I don't want this. I don't want to spend precious money for my organization and have it not work out. So if you change the narrative on that and instead go, hey, I have innovation dollars at play. I can test and learn. Everybody understands that this is an innovation fund where we're going to learn from it. Then all of a sudden, you're not being held back by fear. Instead, you're stepping forward with clarity and opportunity and understanding this is a pilot. I'm going to do this or that. So, so I've just shared a lot here, but I hope, um, I hope what is coming through is that now is not the time to slow down, even though we're all really tired. And Crystal mentioned it at the beginning. Oh my gosh, you know how we are so pulled in so many directions. But this is a great time to be fundraising because people are feeling generous, because people do want to support your mission, mm -hmm. and because there are, you know, there is technology and tools out there to optimize your work. So you got to step in, and if you can embrace it instead of sit with the fear, then your organization can truly do some amazing things um, this year and beyond. Crystal, as you hear that, like, do you agree with me? Have you seen this in your many years, you know, because we've gone through downtimes, you know, together here, right? Um, so, so what do you feel and what are you hearing um, related to fundraising and, and just feed on the street? I completely agree with everything you said and want to make sure I even echo and add that that 
Innovation Fund is a great idea to also just help foster creativity and boost morale within your organization because it allows people to feel, your fundraisers especially, to feel empowered and to test some things out and kind of show what, see what may or may not work, especially if they've maybe been holding back on an idea because the culture within your organization isn't one that maybe always embraces new ideas. And so having that initiative and like thought process would really, really help um, even muster up some new ideas. But some was once in that position where it was like, do we really wanna spend more money on a new CRM? Like, I don't know, like we pride ourselves in being good stewards and we always want to make sure that um, our supporters know that most their gift is going to those mm -hmm. who need the help and we're having an impact on the community. However, piecemealing things and having a certain site to do X and another site to do Y wasn't a good use of staff time either because you like your work then became uploading and updating Excels all day and not reaching out and communicating and talking to your supporters about the work that is actually happening to support your programming. And it kind of takes away from your goal of reaching money because you have to spend all of this time putting spreadsheets together and making sure um, the other one site is uploaded and another site is uploaded. So I um, I think that uh, taking that risk is a, is a great payoff. It may not feel like it in the moment, but it truly, truly does help you um, see things and makes life a lot easier for your fundraisers. The R word does always give everyone, even just not in my fundraising hat, but just as a human being, it does make you nervous. Like it is a normal feeling and reaction to have, but understanding and being able to express the needs of the community and that we're all going to be feeling this and having that conversation and having a robust CRM to say that I talked to Kimberly and you know the recession is a concern of hers, but she is also super committed to making sure that her neighbors are going to also make it through this um, and having a place to easily track that and create some follow-ups with some other team members is a great feeling of being able to attack and use technology to um, continue to fundraise, but also acknowledge like that your how your donors may be feeling um, because it's, it's good data to know. I love that. And I love the theme throughout all of this is don't be afraid to, to try and and fail right and try again um and yeah sometimes you have to invest you obviously you want to be a, a good steward of the money that is coming in to support your mission but um, one begets the other right you, you can't you can't raise money if you don't have the tools and if you have a whole bunch of silos uh out there with data in different places so yeah that's that's um, so important and we can't we can't hear that enough any any final thoughts before we wrap up today Kimberly um I I just would remind people not to get stuck in the fear uh for sure um and I also you know just want to applaud <laughs> all of our listeners who are in the trenches doing some really incredible and hard work. It's not easy. Um, but, you know, remembering to try one new thing, step forward one foot at a time, um, you know, work your team. <laughs> Don't forget to leverage your entire team. 
so that it's not on your shoulders and to just know that, you know, we've got your back. Um, all of us, you know, are rooting for you and are working on our side to create, um, products and new technology to support your work and make it um, better than ever for you to engage and fundraise. Um, and I also just want to applaud Crystal and some because I've uh, just really respected their organization over the years living in the Metro DC area. And uh, it's just an incredible, incredible organization. And Crystal, thanks for your dedication and work in this yeah, sector well said. And, uh, it's easy to burn out and you are you're still here rocking it so thank you. you you've been doing it for for several years now was it nine years plus you've been with the organization nice any any final thoughts for the audience out there i would say happy giving season um this mm -hmm. is going to be the season where we are tested the most and so to kimberly's point please stay encouraged and it's great to be able to have tools like every action that allow you to really put your creativity out there um, and reach your supporters and celebrate with them uh, the close of 2022 and other uh, holidays that are coming up. Some is a great organization um, to also consider holiday support. Uh, and if you are more interested in volunteer opportunities and just the work that we're doing, some.org is the place to check out more. Mark and Kimberly, I thank you both for the opportunity to chat today. It has been really, really enjoyable. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to speaking with you all again soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of The Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of The Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.